We're going to read together a passage this morning from the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, a passage where the Apostle Paul talks about planting seeds in a field. And it's going to make you think about the potential that exists when you hold seeds in your hand and you're standing in front of an empty, fertile field. Every single one of those seeds that you hold has the potential to grow into a plant which can then bear its own seeds and the process can go around and around and grow and grow. There is exponential potential in these seeds. But if you don't do something with them, if you keep them in your hand, then the field in front of you will stay empty. I wonder if you can picture that for yourself. I wonder if you can picture holding seeds. I wonder what kind of seeds you'd be holding. If you had the opportunity to plant seeds in an empty field and you got the seeds and you see the field in front of you empty, ready for something to be planted in it. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Wait, 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 wait. Someone, someone here this morning has just gone, oh, I know where he's going with this. This is not about seeds. This is about money. And I've heard this one before and it's manipulative and it's old and it's boring. Well, let me get it, get it up on the table for you this morning. We are going to talk about money. And we're going to find that Jesus talked about money a lot, way more than I do or than you do. So this morning, we're going to be like Jesus and talk about money. But more importantly, we're going to talk about what it means to live a generous life. And I reckon, I reckon by the end of the message today, this is my uh, wager slash promise slash I'm taking a risk on this, that you'll be refreshingly surprised about what kind of generosity we find in the New Testament by the end of today. So come with me. Let's start again from the top. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves the person who gives cheerfully. Verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. And then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Let me just give you a moment to think about the things that you noticed in that passage as we read through. What are the things that stood out to you or you noticed as we read through? Let's take the first part again. Let me, let me point out a few things that I noticed. So obviously, the Apostle Paul, as he writes this letter, he's saying, if you plant a few seeds, you get a small harvest. 
And if you plant generously, you'll get a generous harvest and that it's up to you. So how much you plant or give, because he switched to talking about giving, how much is up to you? And he's in the middle of a section in his letter of inviting the Corinthian church to give financially to support the work of the church. And specifically in this part of his letter to support Christians in another church who are doing it really tough. And so he's saying that your gifts will support and encourage this other church. So our parallel with the passage today is not just about giving money to our church. That's a, that's a valid expression of generosity and one that we find all through the Bible. But what Paul's talking about specifically is all this money that, that I'm talking about here, we're going to give to others. Now, in this passage, I also notice that how much you give is entirely up to you. So Paul is so clear to say, decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give in to pressure. Don't give out of guilt. Because if you do, then you'll be giving reluctantly, not really wanting the other person to accept it. Now, it's like if someone drops by your house and you don't really want them to be there. You'd prefer if they left quickly and you kind of go, well, would you like a drink? Don't offer them a drink if you don't want them to stay and you don't want them to have a drink. In the same way, don't give reluctantly and don't give under pressure, but give because you want to. Now, I also noticed in this passage that Paul is not talking about tithing, the 10% idea that 10% of your gross income is the right amount to give. That's not what he's talking about. There's a whole other message about that. But in short, let me say that if you're wondering about a number, yeah, 10% is a great place to start or a great percentage to aim for if you're working towards it. But I also noticed from this passage that Paul seems to think that giving in unhealthy ways is not a good idea because God doesn't love people who give. God doesn't love you if you are generous and if you give. He says that God loves a cheerful giver. So it's not the act of generosity. It's not the giving that God likes and is pleased about. It's the when, it's when you do it cheerfully because you choose to. And, and let me tell you that even when you give in ways that cost you, It's possible to do it cheerfully every single time to say, hey, I've decided in in my heart, I think this is the right thing to do and go, part of me would like to keep this. Part of me would prefer to hold on to this because I know that this will cost me and hurt me, but I have chosen to do this because I think it's the right thing. And when I do it, I'm able to do it cheerfully every time. So then if we jump to the second part that we read, I noticed that Paul isn't worried that you'll miss out if you give. Now, now this is something that we don't talk a lot about in our church, and, and, and I don't talk a lot about myself, but, but it's here. Paul seems to believe that you should not be worried even if you give or plant a lot. He seems to think that if you give generously what you've decided in your heart to give, that God will provide for you. I wonder if you share Paul's belief about that. 
I wonder if you would join him in going, yeah, I, I believe that God owns everything. God owns the seeds. God owns the field. It's interesting that Paul says God also owns the bread that comes from the seed. And so um, we don't know the level of uh, agricultural understanding or science that Paul had or others had. But you can imagine them going, oh, it's like it's just amazing. God makes the, the seed grow. Now, we could understand how God does that now. But, but there's no way Paul didn't know how bread was made. He would have made it himself or he would have seen it made. But he has this, this understanding, this belief that God owns everything anyway. Whether we can understand how we get it or we don't understand how we get it, it all belongs to God anyway. And, and God will not just provide for you, but God, Paul says that God will increase your resources and produce a harvest of generosity in you. Now, if you're following on, along in another translation of the Bible, you might have read the, the phrase that God will produce a great harvest of righteousness in you. And Paul's point seems to be the same regardless of the word, because the different translators will draw out different things, that your act of generosity is an act of righteousness, and that from this God will bless you in every way. And you'll know, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, you'll know if you've been doing the Bible reading plan from this last week, that God's blessings are not just money or material things. That difficult times in your life and hard seasons and hard things and sometimes feeling like you don't have enough are a normal part of every person's life, including a Christian's life. God's blessings don't mean that we'll never experience those difficult times, but it does mean that God wants good for you. God wants to bless you in all sorts of ways from your inner spiritual life right through to your outer material life. So I wonder if if you really believe what Paul believed and what we're reading this morning, that if you give generously, if you plant more seed, that you will harvest and receive accordingly. So if you are only generous a little bit, you'll only receive a little bit in return. But if you are generous in a big way, you'll receive in a big way. This is a challenging idea and you might have all sorts of swirling thoughts and objections and going, I want to believe that, but what about this? And I, I, you know, I've seen people who do that and didn't and I've, I've seen manipulation and all those things. It's a challenging thing to grapple with these words. We're in week two of a two-week series. We're we're almost done in just a few minutes. A series I've called Exponential. God can do a lot with just a little. And when you plant a seed and you nourish it, it can grow beyond your wildest expectations. And when you make a choice, its effects can ripple further than you can see. And when you add to the work that God is doing, he can multiply it into something exponential. And so what, I, what I'm hoping to do last Sunday and today is to inspire you about how God can do a lot with the little that you have or how little you are and with your small part in his story and what God wants to do with us, with our church, with the small part of the kingdom of God that we call the Lakes Church. And Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that in God's economy, in God's exchange rate, in God's maths, The more that you give, the more you'll receive. With that idea of exponential mathematics, generosity to the power of God 
means that there's an exponential factor to whatever you offer God and whatever you offer to each other. You know, in verse 11, Paul says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Now, when God is the exponential factor, that means it's out of your control. You cannot control what God does with your generosity. But Paul is of the opinion and the experienced belief and conviction that whatever you offer to God in generosity is in good hands because he will provide for you. Exponential provision and supply when you live generously. I wonder if you've ever experienced that in your walk with God. The time in my life when I experienced this the most clearly was the two-year period when I did an internship in youth ministry in the church that I was part of. And the reason why I experienced God's exponential provision, I believe, was because that was the season in my life when I offered God the most. Because I went into that internship with no capital behind me. I had no high-paying job. I had no investments. I wasn't propped up by regular money from family or friends. I had a part-time job, and I was still in debt from some unwise decisions. You know, after-pay kind of stuff, where I'd bought things I couldn't pay for, and I was still paying them off at a high interest rate. And yet, even though that was my financial position and my situation in life and my career prospects, which were virtually non-existent, I sensed God calling me to do this full-time unpaid internship in the church, which meant dropping back my work hours to just one day a week, the day I had off from internship. It meant applying for youth study from the government because I was going to do Bible college. So that was a little bit of income as well. And it did mean that the church would provide us a little bit of money each month for fuel and phone so I could do ministry with those things without worrying about what they costed. But the maths don't add up. The the economics don't work about that season in my life because at the end of that two-year period, I had met and married Laura and my debts had been paid off. Well, actually, that part does add up because Laura paid them off. (laughs) But she still had a car loan, which was way more than my small debts. But at the end of that time, we, we got married, paid for a wedding. We had a reception after the wedding. We went on a honeymoon. We came to Cairns from the Gold Coast on a honeymoon. The, the maths don't work, but I had trusted God and my church with so much. And God had exponentially provided for me. You'd think that after that experience, by now, that I would be very, very good at trusting God, no matter how generous I feel like he's calling me to be. And yet each time I feel like I have to relearn this principle of giving generously and receiving generously. But let me encourage you today that no matter what you have entrusted to God, no matter what you've entrusted to each other, your trust is well-placed because God's economy The exchange rate of the kingdom of heaven is at work because God is looking to provide for you and even, even to increase your resources so that you can be even more generous in the future. Now, I'm not done with the message yet, but now's a good time to tell you about our Bible reading plan for this week, which will be on the screen. So if you want to grab it, you can tap the link out or scan the QR code with your phone. Um, Just like we did last week, this week there's just a short five-day reading plan I want to invite you to join me in. As you'll see, if you've got good enough eyesight, there's one participant in that plan at the moment, and it's me, all by myself. Come and be my friend. 
read this short devotional uh, every day this week and the Bible readings that go with it. And then if you want to, you can contribute to the conversation on any device you have. I'll send it by email tomorrow if you want to grab it that way. Even just in a browser on your on your computer, you can read along with us. But if you have the Bible app, it's the easiest. And this one's called The Genius of Generosity by Chip Ingram. But just like I have personally experienced God's exponential supply when I offer him everything, our church has experienced this as well. Even this year, when we didn't know how we were going to make ends meet, and and, and in some ways we're still not quite sure, but at the start of the year we talked about having to reduce our staffing in some ways, which, by the way, if, if that was what we felt was right to do, meant saying goodbye to some of my best and some of your best friends. This is was a big deal. But we continued all throughout this year so far to be committed to the mission and the vision that God has called us to. Rather than saying, no, we need to change that and be less generous as a church or change what we're doing, we felt like in this season it was right to continue that mission and that vision and the posture of generosity, which means continuing to be committed to our mission partners as a church. Now, with Cairns Street Chaplains, every year we reach out to Stuart and say, hey, we've set aside some money to support your ministry. We'd love for volunteers to help you. But in addition to that, in addition to volunteers and our prayer, we have some money and we want to partner with you. How can you best use that money? Same with Luke and Bev in in Uganda and Margaret Pashley in the Philippines that we've been talking about recently. Both of those two, by the way, in recent times have have known about our situation and said to us, hey, um, we know that you may not be able to continue to provide for us financially. Or they've said, I'm amazed that you've been able to continue giving to us in this way. Now, all of that, the situation we're in and, uh, and that feedback is not to say that God won't ever call us to change our staff team or our commitments to different ministries or the way that we fund and support our mission partners. But what I'm saying is about God providing for us, even when what we're giving feels uncertain, even when it's sacrificial, even when it hurts. And in hindsight, you know, if we, if we do the maths, we can actually figure out some things from the last six months. We can see how God prompted some people on our team to let go of hours here with the church to take up other work for God to provide for them and for us. And we can see God providing in other, other unexpected ways. So we can work out the maths in hindsight to an extent. But when you're going through it, it requires incredible faith and trust in God. So let me encourage you today that whatever you choose to entrust to God or to each other as part of our church, your trust is well placed because God is doing something here through us. God is not finished with our church. He's calling us to step up, to not be apathetic and to not be cautious but calling us to be a people that live courageously with generosity for him. And it's a new day. It's a new season in so many ways. And some of you have recently joined our church family and we're loving getting to know you and helping you be part of our family and our community. And others of you, like me and even those who've been here a lot longer than me, we've been through a lot of ups and downs together. And there are others that we haven't met yet, that God is still even yet drawing to join us here as we love people and invite them to join us in a growing 
relationship with Jesus. We're all, each of us, growing. And each of us need to be going about that work of loving people, of inviting them to join us. Say, hey, this is not just about us. It's not just our holy huddle, but God has a bigger vision for what he wants to do through us as a community here in Cairns. And we do this together. And part of this call is to give financially with courage and with faith. So with whatever you've already entrusted to God and to us as a church community, your trust is well placed. I believe Paul would say, based on what we've read from him this morning, that God's economy and the exchange rate of the kingdom of heaven is at work through your generosity. That God is doing something exponential in you and through you. And even as you give, God is looking to provide and increase your resources. I have some words from Jesus to finish with in just a minute. But before we get there, I just want to recap six principles of exponential generosity, most of which we've already talked about. First one is to give what you've decided with God in your heart. It's up to you to decide what you want to offer to God, to his church from your time, from your energy, from your musical ability, from your capacity, from your finances, from your resources. It's entirely up to you. If you want help to figure it out, ask, but it's entirely between you and God to make that decision. And give cheerfully. Don't give because you have to or you should and don't ever feel give because you feel guilty. But make sure you get to a place of being able to be cheerful about whatever you're giving. Give according to what you have. Don't ever give according to what someone else has given or what someone else has Only compare your giving to what you have and what God is calling you to surrender. And remember, if you're looking for a number, that 10% is a good place to start and a good place to aim for. Number four, God will use your generosity to advance his kingdom. Your generosity will exponentially support the work of the church, the needs of others, and advance the kingdom of heaven. You'll be blessed as you give. You'll be blessed with spiritual growth and maturity. You'll be blessed with God's provision and God's faithfulness. You'll be blessed with joy and with contentment. And often you'll be blessed by getting to see your generosity have an impact by seeing it at work. And number six, generosity can become a lifestyle for you. It's like a muscle that you can develop, a spiritual muscle that can be strengthened over time. Now, Laura's already talked about in our hosting, there's so many ways that you can give as part of our church. You know, cash, card, direct debit, online, all those things. We can help you out at the info desk this morning if you want to know the practical details. And you can give intentionally in planned and prepared and budgeted ways. And you can give spontaneously as God prompts you or as you're inspired or as you notice need. But let me share with you one, one specific way that you could consider giving. And this is a new way for me. I have never talked about this before, but it's something that I've been learning about and God's been challenging me about. You can plan to give to the kingdom of God, to the church, after your time on this earth is finished. You could set up a bequest in your will so that while you're enjoying treasures in heaven, The resources that you had on earth are able to extend the kingdom of heaven here on earth. 
Now, some people find this a very painful thing to talk about. Laura really doesn't like it when, when I raise this conversation about, you know, what will happen if when one or both of us die. And I appreciate that. It isn't an easy conversation. But I just want to talk about it for a minute because it is important. In my will at the moment, at this stage of life, my will is mainly about making sure my, my kids can eat and be clothed and housed if the worst happens to Laura and I. I I used to think that apart from that, wills are for old people who are sitting on loads of investments and weird antiques, and it's all about stopping the kids from fighting. That's what I thought it was about, you know, go around to your your parents' house and just, you know, write your name on a sticker and put it under the lamp that you want. Things like that. That's what wills are for. But then one day, a couple of years ago, this guy who's younger than me with a young family just made this offhand comment to me one day. He goes, oh, I just realized in my will, it includes a a bequest, a gift in will to the church that I used to be part of in another state in Australia before I moved to Cairns. And I just, I just remember that I'm going to need to update that to include our church. And I, I was like, you can, people, what? People do that? That's a, that's a thing? I'd never thought about that before, but have been thinking about it ever since. That this man was planning ahead to invest in the kingdom of heaven on earth, even after he had entered the kingdom of heaven himself. That's all I want to say about it. Maybe a new idea to you, and all the principles of exponential generosity you see on the screen still apply, but this could be a new or a different way that you could consider. All right, I told you I have some words of Jesus. I want to finish with these. This is Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Are you willing to trust God, even to experiment with God in being more generous? Now, Jesus did talk about this principle with financial um, application at other times. But in this passage, he's not talking about money. Jump to the the verse previous. It'll be on the screen. Uh, Sorry, the next slide, but the verse previous. Thanks, Anae. What Jesus was saying is, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. The next word out of Jesus' mouth was give and you will receive. Your gift, your forgiveness will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give, the amount you forgive will determine the amount you get back. This principle of exponential generosity and getting back according to what you give applies to all areas of life. When you offer forgiveness to somebody, it costs you. When you forgive somebody, what you're saying is, what you did to me, I am removing that charge against you. I'm saying you don't owe me anymore for what you have done. I am choosing to give you this gift. I'm forgiving you for what you've done. That's incredibly costly. That's way more costly than giving money or giving time or giving energy. Forgiveness can be the hardest 
thing to give. To trust somebody with that gift. But Jesus said, the amount that you forgive is also compared to, linked to, balances out with the amount that you will receive forgiveness. Your forgiveness will be returned to you. God's economy, the kingdom of heaven is at work to make sure your forgiveness is returned to you in full. Not just in full. Imagine it's, it's wheat or it's grain. It's in the hopper and they're shaking the hopper to make sure that there's no room in the bottom and jumping up and down on all of it to make sure it's pressed down and then adding more on top of that so it's overflowing and it's pouring out everywhere. The amount you give, the amount you forgive will determine the amount you get back. So as I finish today, let's trust God that his ways, his economy, His kingdom is better than our ways and our economy and our kingdom. And we can trust God with anything we give. Money, forgiveness, anything. And we can believe that he's looking out for us. That his kingdom economy is working for us when we give. So this morning as we finish, let me ask you two questions. Do you have the courage to trust God with some kind of giving today? In whatever way that is, do you have the courage to trust God in the things we've talked about? And I wonder if God's inspiring you to step out in faith and to give in a way that you've never given before. Let's pray. Jesus, some of, us, um, some of us would say, yes, we believe what the Apostle Paul believed in his letter. We do believe that when we give and offer things to you and to others, that we can trust you to look after us and even to increase what we have so we can keep on growing and giving. And, and other, others of us or on other days, we're really not quite sure. As we're not sure if we've seen, seen you consistently provide. We're not sure if our gift, our forgiveness is trustworthy in someone else's hands. And we're not sure, but we want to. It's like we like the idea, we want to believe it. And we, we have seen it, we have experienced it. We've heard about it in others' lives. So God, this morning I ask if there's anything in any of our lives that you would like us to give in some way, to offer in some way, that you would prompt us about that. That you'd put the the craziest idea in our head. That you, you would place the person who is hardest to forgive on our heart. And you'd help us get to that place of deciding in our heart to give.
so that we can do it cheerfully. And and God, we're going to do that risking. We're going to do that a little bit afraid. What, What if I'm not provided for? What if I'm left feeling exposed or vulnerable? God, we trust that whatever you lead us to decide in our hearts to give, that you will provide for us. In Jesus' name.